Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Dr. Rowe, who I see right there. Hey, Dr. Rowe, how are you? Hi, I'm great. It's me and Dr. Janie. Pew, pew, pew. 
Hey, Dr. Janie. How are you? Dr. Janie was on my podcast and it's so amazing. Hey, Dr. Rowe and Dr. Janie. Hello, Lolita. What a great segment. You always do such a great job just calling us to do the soul work, right? Because we got to do that soul work and we have the key to unlock that box that you were talking about that can lead us to the soul wealth. You do such a wonderful job doing that, Lolita, and we certainly appreciate you for that. Great job, Lolita. Thank you, Tony with the keys. Love you much. So I am Dr. Janie Lacey. I am your resident licensed psychotherapist here with Breakfast with Champions. I'm also the CEO of Life Counseling Solutions and faculty member at the International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals. And you are in Breakfast with Champions. We are here to bring you motivation, education, and inspiration from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Monday, Eastern time, Monday to Friday, and 6 a.m. to noon on Saturday, and Club 111, which is our worship service on Sunday. And we've gathered together, yep, there's about 100 of us thought leaders with all different backgrounds, approaches, and expertise, and with one common goal to help you succeed. And we want to be there for you wherever you are. So head on over to Breakfast with Champions Live to subscribe to our podcast so you can listen anytime, as well as to see the links to follow Breakfast with Champions on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram. And today, Dr. Rowe and I will be talking to none other than Rick Johnson of Better Dads. So tune in, whatever you're doing, stop what you're doing, because this next hour is going to bring you not only everything that we're about on Breakfast with Champions, the education, the conversation, and the observation. So we are here. And let me tell you a little bit about Rick Johnson. He is a sought-after motivational speaker and the best-selling author of numerous books on parenting, marriage, relationships, and masculinity. Rick founded the nonprofit Better Dads on the urgent need to empower men to lead and serve in their families and communities. Rick's resources, methods, and personal approach has been transforming the lives of men, women, and their families for over 20 years. And as a contributing author for the Dad Talk blog, Rick has written on topics like healthy co-parenting, expressing love in blended families, bringing children to work, and instilling a sense of work ethic in children. Now, you see why you have to be tuned in and listen? Because Rick not only has the experience, the expertise, but he is going to pour into us in this next hour. Welcome to Breakfast with Champions, Rick Johnson. Hi, Rick. If you want to unmute so you can say hello, and we know that you're there, Rick Johnson. Rick, um, if you're having trouble with the audio part, you can go out of the room and come back in, and it'll maybe start. We apologize. It's been doing that today, if that's the case. Yep. So if you look at your screen, Rick, on the lower Right-hand side, there will be a mic button. Oh, there you go. Hello, Rick. Welcome uh, to Breakfast hey, with so Champions. <laughs> I guess I'm not quite as smart as you made me out to be because I can't figure out how to unmute my microphone. <laughs> for, like, for two days, Rick, I kept hitting my profile pic thinking that that was going to unmute me. I didn't see the button in the corner, so you're not alone, my man. I just did that about 50 times. So <laughs> Yes, I did the same thing. <laughs> Well, you are not alone, Rick, and we are so glad that you are here. We are looking forward to this conversation. How are you today? I'm doing great. Can you hear me okay this time? 
Yes, yes, we can we can hear you. You know, sometimes the best way to, to speak is um, using your speakerphone um, sometimes and speaking directly into your mic and that can bring you um, lots of lots of clarity. But, you know, Rick, you know, one of the, the, the opening questions that I would really like to lean in on your expertise is, you know, we are in a different time. So when we think about families and, you know, as Glenn has been doing a tremendous, impactful job this week talking about men and being leaders, um, I always think about it being the three provider, the three Ps, providers, protectors, and planners of the family. But when we look at what's happened just from a family perspective, a lot has changed as far as what it looks like. You know, I'm a, a marital therapist, do a lot of marital um, counseling. And, you know, there's some trends that that I have seen, and I would love to kind of get your, uh, your, your take on it. We'll just go right in. And one of the things I'll see is this um, – from a, from a couple standpoint is a lot of women that will take on more masculine roles or what would be have considered traditional masculine roles more than ever and men um, not being and taking more on more feminine roles, so to speak. So when I see that, a lot of times people are coming to couples counseling because it's caused an imbalance in their family or it was not what they thought they were building or co-creating together. So what would be some of the trends when you think about the men and all the work that you do with better dads and um, talking about relationships and parenting, some of the trends that you've seen that's affected us in 2021 as far as the family and the men being leaders of our family. We'd love to hear your thoughts, Rick. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I see that as well. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 21 years now, and I've seen a lot of changes take place in men and relationships, um, the roles that, that women and men play in relationships, um, I, I tell you a quick funny story. Uh, you know, I travel around the country a lot speaking, and when I'm waiting in airports, I like to watch people. And one trend that I've been noticing a lot lately is that um, you'll have a couple, and you'll have this very strong, empowered woman, and she will kind of take care of everything. She'll go up to the counter and talk to people and get the tickets straightened out and, and all that kind of stuff, and the man just kind of sits there passively, usually on his on his phone. and um, it's kind of funny when they get up to leave, he'll get up and pick up the light luggage and walk off and leave the heavy luggage for her to take. And so it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we see. Um, some of the changes that I've seen in dads in particular over the years, um, some have been good and I think some have been not so good. Uh, some of the good things that I've noticed is that dads today, I think, want to be more emotionally engaged with their kids um, they want to have a better relationship than maybe they had with their dad. And so they'll go out of their way to try to figure out how to do that and what that looks like. Um, some, of the, some of the negative things that I've seen, particularly with younger men in our culture, um, you know, you have a very high prevalence now of um, addiction to pornography, uh, addiction to video games, um, spending time on your phone. Uh, which disengages you with your family and provides just the opposite effect. So, um, you know, young men aren't doing as well educationally as females. We see that in college particularly. Um, much higher rate of uh, females getting their undergraduate and graduate degrees than males today. So, you know, some of those, those are some of the changes that I've seen and observed take place over the years that I've been working with with men and couples. 
Thanks so much for answering that, Rick. And I know you have seen a lot. And one of the things I've always admired about you is that you are an amazing man of God, but you're a wonderful husband and respectful man to your wife of 40 years, the beautiful Suzanne. So I just have to ask you, what are some of her greatest qualities that you I didn't hear the end of your question, but um, ah, I thought you were um, being silent on purpose as a joke. No. <laughs> okay. So what I asked is, what are some of Suzanne's greatest quality, qualities that you admire most that you've uh, seen in the last uh, 40 years? Well, one thing I think, and, and right from the time I met her, I'd probably respect her as much or more than any human being I've ever met. Um, some of the things that she overcome in her past. You're probably the only person I know who's overcome more trauma in their life uh, than Suzanne has. So um, I respect you a lot too. Uh, but you know, it was interesting. I think on our second date, um, Suzanne left a card on my the dashboard of my car. And I opened it up and it said something to the effect of, um, I believe in you. And I was like, wow, you know, nobody's told, you know, I come from a very dysfunctional background. Nobody's ever so awesome. And she's really lived out, out, out over the years. And she's just been so supportive and um, respectful. I mean, you know, even when I didn't deserve her respect, probably she showed me the respect that I craved and, and needed and um she's always just been a huge part of of uh my life my ministry and um gosh i don't know i i could i could go keep going on and on she's just um i think she's an amazing person so i'm pretty happy to i mean the other day i made a comment about um what makes me happy is just spending time with her and she kind of joked about it and then she goes but i know you're serious <laughs> and it is i mean i just love to go places with her and be with her and and just hang out and you know we had more date nights but but with a nine-year-old we're we're struggling to to find babysitters in a new state that we moved to so anyway that's i think that's kind of sums it up thank you so much and i i want to clarify to any listeners why you have a nine-year-old without getting too deep into it because i know some people are like what you've been married 40 years and your wife has another child um i have known uh rick and suzanne probably since 2007 or so just amazing couple but they um unfortunately their son passed away um of, of, it's rick has it been four or five years now yeah it's been five years five years yes and that and it's um, just one of the saddest, tragic situations, and they inherited so beautifully their the, his daughter, their grandson, granddaughter. So they do have a nine-year-old uh, angel who is with them, and it's so beautiful. And I know some people that are listening to this right now hear the love that you have for your wife, and they might be thinking, "I'm single." And maybe I can't get a spouse like that, or maybe I will never get a great spouse. What words of wisdom would you give some single people right now who are hoping to find that great spouse? Well, particularly for women, you know, the biggest thing I would say is to be, um, to be choosy, not to be um, 
not to not to um just accept whatever you know you, you have to really uh be intentional about choosing what's the person that's worthy to be with you i see so many women that just choose uh you know they 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 um they don't choose but they they accept you know so i think i think that's really important um you know you have to have a a, a man that you can look up to that you can respect that that has the qualities that you're are going to make you comfortable in life because if you don't you know pretty soon i think women tend to develop contempt in those types of situations and boy the relationship goes downhill pretty quickly at that point we certainly appreciate you answering that rick because you know many times i always like to say that the number alone um, doesn't necessarily bring a good representation of a solid marriage, but some of the things that you share um, with about your beautiful wife around being respectful and wanting to spend time with her and then using some of that wisdom to be able to give singles advice. You know, I wanna go back to something that, that you said, and I think it's a really good um, segue into what a lot of people are probably wondering. You know, we look at the trends that are happening today, and you mentioned around pornography, right? So we're seeing this onslaught of um, sexual education coming through the way of pornography, and then young men in particular wanting to get married and wanting to be with the spouse and have some unrealistic expectations of what it will look like from a sexual relationship with their partners. Could you talk to us a little bit about, from your perspective, the male perspective, of how pornography can be a damaging agent to set couples up when it comes to a healthy sexual life. Yeah, and I think, truthfully, I think pornography may be the, the greatest bane uh, of men in our culture um, at the moment. You know, the problem is, is that it's, it's free, it's easily accessible 24-7, and um, it's so addicting for men that it's it's very difficult not to to engage it in at least some level but then you know men are bombarded all day anyway with sexually graphic messages and advertising and so on and so forth and so even for a man who wants to be you know pure at heart and faithful to his wife in those areas it can be really difficult you know, you mentioned about young men coming into marriage with unrealistic expectations. The fact of the matter is, as well, if they are engaging in watching a lot of pornography, they're probably going to be impotent to some degree with their wife as well. So you've not only got unrealistic expectations, then you add impotency into the situation, into the equation where then the wife is going to feel, you know, totally disregarded and, and you know, you've got a lot of so, you know, I've talked with men a lot over the years with their sons, young sons, about how to how to um, try to combat this, and it's it's just it's such a huge thing because it's you know even if you're guarding your phones and your computers jealously, uh, somebody else's phone or computer can he can observe it, and oftentimes it only takes one time of you know, to get out done something like that. So. Um, you know, I, with our son, I try to really talk a lot about, you know, those women are somebody's daughter, those women are going to be somebody's mother, 
his sister, you know, how would you like him looking and lusting after your sister in that regard? And, and try to humanize the, the women that are in pornography as opposed to disallowing the victim and, and men compartmentalizing them and setting them off to the side as just this object. So I'm not sure if that answered your question, but, but those are kind of my initial thoughts on that. Yes, thank you, Rick. And um, whatever you were doing with your audio, the first time you came in clear, you're, you're coming a little echoey, but I was able to make out everything that, that you said. And I think it's such a, a relevant um, conversation when we're talking about just, um, to, to me, being better dads and being um, having a better, uh, a, a healthy family structure, because I do see more than ever um, conversations with couples in the case of marital counseling where pornography, lack of boundaries, and all these things that will infiltrate the relationship where to really have that loving, respectful, um, honoring, and not objectifying relationship, it becomes harder. So having those conversations, um, which, would, which would lead me to a follow-up question, having those conversations with our, with our young men, I feel is so imperative. But sometimes what I'll see is that dads or um, men that have sons sometimes are afraid to have those conversations with their son because it is um, different in some cases where potentially where you were worried about your um, finding your your dad's uh, VHS tapes right now everything is accessible and there's more images there's there's more um, things to combat what it looks like to to have a woman to have a wife or you have access to to many different conversations. So what would be some of the highlights that you can share with men or or parents that are listening to this conversation right now? I have a nine-year-old son myself, but those that are raising boys and that are raising sons, some highlights that you would tell us that we should be focusing on when we're trying to help them develop realistic expectations of uh, partners, realistic expectation of healthy sexuality. We'd love to hear some of your thoughts, Rick. Okay, so we're not just talking about pornography now, right? We're talking about a whole overview of things. Pornography now, we're talking about healthy sexuality with, with young boys today or young men today. Usually pornography is always pro more times than not part of that conversation. Right, and, you know, I think part of the problem is, you know, it's such a shameful thing. I think that's why it's hard to talk about to begin with. I think even men that are, you know, addicted to it or are very ashamed by the fact that they are addicted to it and what it's doing to their life, what it's doing to their uh, family's life and so on and so forth. So that makes it all the more difficult to talk about in the open. I, I, a man once told me, and this applied to both fatherhood and to pornography, maybe not to the same degree, but as he said, nobody wants to stand up in church and raise their hand and say, I have a addiction to pornography just as nobody wants to stand up at church and say, you know, I'm not as good a dad as I should be. And so it makes it harder to get help, I think, in those in those circumstances when there's that shame admitted. And of course, as men, we, we you know, our, our greatest fear is to, um, to fail at something or be uh, incompetent or inadequate uh, to be able to to solve problems on our own. And so it makes it even more difficult to ask for help. And so, again, I think open conversations between dad and son, between mom and son, um, between both parents and with daughters as well. Um, daughters need to know about 
this kind of stuff ahead of time. How, how many women have been, you know, blasted out of the water unknowingly by having to face a man who had a, a pornography addiction or something like that. So um, it's, I think it's important to open those lines of communication, have those kinds of conversations. Um, I think moms can have very constructive um, conversations with their sons about pornography. Might not be very comfortable for either of them, but, um, you know, for moms who say, look, this is not going to happen in my house. This is not the way, you know, my son's going to treat women. This is not my expectations for how my son is going to grow up. I, I think that can be very powerful um, in helping to influence a boy's perspective on those things. Thank you so much for those words of wisdom, Rick. It is it is definitely essential to have that open communication and conversation. And I love that your books point towards that, which is leading me to ask the next question. You started an organization, Better Dads, and it's all about men being better dads. And my thing is, I, I always wonder what was the driving force behind you actually starting that other than the cliche of being a better dad? Well, yeah, I, when, like I said, when I grew up, I didn't have a good role model for a father figure growing up. So when I became a, a husband and a father and a man, I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. And, and, um, it was frustrating. It was difficult. I, I, you know, again, those aren't some things that usually we go and ask people about. But um, I figured there was a lot of men that were struggling with that. And so when I came to Christ at age 40, I really prayed about what God would have me do to make a difference in the world and, and how as one person I could make a difference in the world. And I really felt like he placed in my heart that men and fathers were the key to everything. And if I could change just one man's life, I could change not only his life and his family's life, but maybe thousands of people. And so that's kind of how it started. And um, just got some training from different sources and started doing workshops for men. And um, I made a very dangerous covenant with God that I would it was his ministry and I would just be available for whatever he put in my path. And um, he immediately started putting things in my path that I was not very comfortable with. Like um, very shortly after I started doing men's workshops, a school counselor approached me and said, you know, we have a bunch of single moms that are raising boys. They have all kinds of questions. Could you put something together? And I'm like, no, you know, I work with men. I'm not interested in in doing the whole parenting thing, you know. And uh, he kept bugging me just like every two weeks he was calling me about this. And finally he said, Rick, it's easier to raise a boy than to fix a man. And I was like, oh, man, he's so right. And so I hurried up and put something together, and I ran up by a couple single moms that I knew that had successfully raised boys. And, and we started doing these workshops for single moms raising boys, and, and they kind of blew up all around the country and, and eventually had to change it to courageous moms instead of single moms because so many married women were wanting to come and find out how to raise healthy boys as well. So, um that's kind of how it started. And then each one of my books, of course, has been on a slightly different topic in the family. And so as that's happened, we've developed new workshops and camps and, um, you know, programs and stuff for those uh, demographics. And uh, so now we're, <laughs> we're a full-fledged organization, I guess. 
That's amazing. And, you know, there's nothing better than working towards helping anyone be better. But the fact that you segment um, mothers, fathers, couples, families is so important. So we appreciate that about you. And I've had some dads just reach out in general, and they've said that they struggle with like shame for maybe mistakes they made in parenting in the past. So moms say the same thing too. How would you help those individuals to overcome this mindset of shame over their parenting in the past or in the future? Yeah, you know, we all we all do. I mean, I am as bad as anybody about mistakes that I've made. And, and I think, you know, we just have to apologize and ask for forgiveness and, and then forget about it and say, look, you know, I've never been a parent of a 12-year-old, right? And so I'm going to make mistakes. And I apologize for this. Can you forgive me? And then forget about it. That's the problem. We don't forget about it. Because you know what? Your kids forget about it. They're much more forgiving towards you than we are towards ourselves. And and moms, moms, you, you guys tend to carry guilt around like it's a, a satchel on your back. And it's just like, you know what? <laughs> just do the best you can and get over it, okay? Because we all make mistakes. Your kids are probably, if you're worried about it, your kids are probably going to turn out fine. If we are worried about it, our kids are probably going to turn out fine because that means we're probably paying attention to something that we probably need to be paying attention to to, to, to it, Rick. Uh, great, great um, advice and great thoughts. And I do want to share, saw um, a message that came through. I want to share a resource that, because um, I have a nine-year-old, as, as I mentioned earlier, there is a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's um, Young Kids by Kristen Jensen and Debbie uh, Fox. I just wanted to say that to everyone in case anyone else was looking for resources to have with kids because we do have to have these conversations with our young men and as you mentioned with single moms or even single dads that are raising up young men young boys and when we think about some of the ways in which we've evolved and not only our education around psychology around behavioral development around child development you know, there's there's this conversation that's been had around toxic masculinity versus healthy masculinity. So when you think about some of the moms uh, in particular, who I'm referring to, that may have had toxic masculinity as part of their relations with men or with fathers in their lives, and they're trying to raise sons, in particular young boys. I mean, what could you share with those that are going to be listening to the podcast or that are listening live to some thoughts around healthy masculinity versus toxic masculinity? And toxic masculinity, um, traditionally, like not being able to share your feelings, vulnerability, like those types of things. Love to hear some of your thoughts on that, Rick. Yeah, and I, I guess just as a as a sidebar, um, is, is there a woman alive who hasn't been exposed to toxic masculinity at some point in their in their life? I'm I'm not sure that there is, but um, I you know I don't know. There's different definitions for toxic masculinity. Probably my definition of toxic masculinity would be different than yours. Um, I'm not so sure that some of the old traits of stoicism and and reservedness and things like that that men used to pride themselves on having are necessarily toxic. Um, but, um, you know, I guess for moms, I, the, the thing I would say to, to moms is that, you know, your past doesn't dictate your future. 
And so, again, I think at some point we have to forgive ourselves or whatever and move on and, and um, you know, forget about what happened in the past and, and uh, try to learn from it and then, and then, you know, work our way in a better relationship or situation in the future. Um, regarding masculinity, uh, you know, I think men receive a lot of mixed messages um, today on what's, what's healthy masculinity and what's unhealthy or toxic masculinity. And um, I think a lot of those messages come from women. I, I personally would like to see men be more engaged and involved in helping men to understand what's healthy masculinity, what's unhealthy masculinity, what that looks like. S certainly, if you're going to be a leader in your home and be the leader with your a healthy leader with your wife and children, you know, you, you have to have some traits that are going to allow you to continue to do what's right for the right reason, even when you don't get the results that you think you should. There have been times when I've had to make decisions that were in the best interest of my wife and children that they didn't like very well, but it was the best thing for them. And I had to be willing to take the slings and arrows, if you will, of their, of their disapproval um, because it was the right thing for the right reason to do. And um, I think when we do that, we find that God typically blesses those types of decisions, maybe not in the way we want them to be blessed or in the time frame that we want them to, but I, I think those, to do the right thing for the right reason and to fail isn't failure, it's being faithful. And I think faithfulness is always blessed. I concur with those sentiments, and I thank you for mentioning that, Rick. And you have many books. I, I have every single one of them, and not all of them point towards just sons. You also have some that deal with, um, like, uh, becoming your spouse's better half. And then I love the uh, That's My Teenager, Better Dad, Stronger Sons, and then 10 Things Great Dads Do. And you address some of the things that Dr. Janie originally asked about. So you definitely have a plethora of, of best-selling books to help us in any way. And people can get that from your website or any other avenue that they can get books. But when you emphasize in many of the books about the importance of boys becoming men of character— what was your true passion behind writing those specific books? Well, I, and I think most of my books probably to one degree or another, whether it's dads and daughters or mothers and sons or dads and sons does deal with character. I, I think character is the most important thing that we can probably teach our kids in order to lead a healthy, successful life. And um, some of the things that, we might consider not to be that important, I think are actually really important, like perseverance. Um, I think perseverance is maybe one of the most important character traits that that we can develop because it helps enable us to, to be successful with all the other character traits. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that we can't control in life. I think one of the things we can control in life is our character, our integrity, our honesty, you know, those types of things. And so, um, you know, I just found that it's just easier to live life if you try to live life with, with character. I mean, I spent a good portion of my adult life 
not being a Christian. And then I've spent the second half of my life being a Christian. So I kind of have a maybe a different perspective on it than a lot of people do. And I know without having certain boundaries in my life, self-imposed limits and boundaries, it was really difficult to live a life of integrity, um, no matter how hard I tried versus having a, a, a groundwork of of principles to live by that um, made it a lot easier. So I, I just, I thought, you know, it's hard to, to teach people something or to, or to change their life or, and I thought, you know, what are, what are the one thing that I could do that could make a difference relatively quickly in a person's life? And, and it, it really occurred to me that teaching them to have character in their life maybe was the, easiest and simplest thing that I could do. So may, maybe, I'm not sure that was a conscious thought, but maybe that was the impetus behind it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that and your your candidness. And for everybody who just joined the room, we are, Dr. Jane and I are interviewing Rick Johnson, renowned author, father, veteran, husband, man of God, who has written a plethora of best-selling books. And you are also in the Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Club. And in my humble opinion, it is the best club on Clubhouse, hands down. We're here to bring you motivation, education, and inspiration from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. And that happens Eastern Standard Time, Monday to Friday. Also on Saturday, we're around from 6 a.m. to noon. And then we have Club 111, which is a worship service on Sunday. We have strategically put together 100 thought leaders, Dr. Janie and I being two of them, and we all have different backgrounds, approaches, and expertise with one common goal, and that's to help every single one of you succeed. We want all of you to be wherever we are. So the one thing you can do is head over to breakfastwithchampions.live when this is done and subscribe to the podcast so that you can listen to any of the segments at any time. You'll also be able to see all the links that will allow you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and on Instagram. And now we will resume asking questions of the amazing author, Rick Johnson. So Rick, um, right now we are definitely kind of ending a pandemic, going in a pandemic, you know, things are going back and forth with that. But people are struggling, especially couples. Some are stuck in the house with each other. They have to work together. They're just saying this is a season where it's really hard for them. So what advice would you give couples right now who are truly struggling with one another? Well, I, I think, yeah, I agree with you. That's <laughs> You summed it up pretty well especially for people that are stuck in the house together 24 hours a day. Um, yeah, I, I think do things together. Go find stuff to do and go, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be, you know, too thrilling. It, maybe just go for even a walk in, in the park or, you know, a hike in the woods or whatever. And just to, to get out and do things and create some memories together, um, you know, find fun things to do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's ever gonna if this is ever gonna go back to normal or change or whatever. But um, if if it doesn't, we got to figure out some way to to reengage as 
in our relationships and as couples. And and um, I think again, doing things and creating memories together is probably a, a good way to do that. Such great suggestions and, and tips, Rick. You know, absolutely. You know, we look at some of the things that have occurred as a result of COVID-19 and pandemic and the lockdown is there's this renewness that couples can renew and decide that now there's more important things really in life and that's family and that is love. And one of the things that you had wrote about in one of your blogs was about teaching our children about love. And um, I and I really liked this uh, article, but I wanted to wonder if you can give us some highlights um, as far as that you talked about four things to teach our children about love and how, you know, love between two people can really be a powerful thing that's building long-term relationships since there's so many, so much positive impact on someone's life and part of that as you just mentioned with couples part of that is the fun of long-term relationships and growing together in those shared experiences but also suffering through difficulties as many families did last year what could be some of the highlights that you can share with with us um, or many people that are listening or are here with us about teaching our children about love especially coming out of the pandemic love to hear your thoughts rick yeah, gosh, I don't know where you dug up these articles that I, <laughs> I wrote, but because I don't remember them. But anyway, um, well, it's interesting because it's probably been, uh, let's see, my daughter's, my oldest daughter's 33 now. So this must have been at least 10 years ago. Um, she made a comment to somebody and I overheard her and she said, um, I want I want to have a marriage like my mom and dad. They act like they're still on their honeymoon. I was like, yeah, I don't know where she's been living, but <laughs> she probably hasn't been in our house. But anyway, you know, it was very honoring, I thought. But um, um, I lost my train of thought. That's not good for a person being interviewed, is it? It's okay. <laughs> you just said um, that your daughter thought that uh, you guys were have been married so long once a marriage just like yours so i'm sure that that would help you be absent of mind because not not a lot of us get a compliment like that <laughs> so i'm sorry just in a in a in a nutshell dr jane can you repeat the question you asked me yes absolutely you have an article it's actually written february 15 2016 and you talk about four things to teach your children about love and um, I just thought it was really a profound article. So I just wanted to hear some of your thoughts about for those of us that do have young children or younger children. I mean, what are some things that you would suggest that we do focus on as we are teaching them about love? Well, I heard, and I don't, I don't even remember where I heard it now, but I heard somebody say that uh, uh, a healthy or a successful marriage was a marriage where each spouse could wake up each day and forgive the other spouse. And I thought, wow, that's, that's great. I mean, that really, and we've kind of taken that to heart and, and I, and tried to, um, you know, I, I, what's important to remember, I think is that our kids don't really pay attention to what we tell them, but they pay a lot of attention to what we show them, what, how we act and what we do. And so we've always tried to, tried to model, you know, forgiving each other and even heated discussions or arguments that we model that we, you know, apologize to each other and, and make up in front of them and things like that so that they know that's a healthy way to resolve differences in a relationship as opposed to 
you know, be in the silent treatment for six months, which, you know, maybe early in our marriage, we did do those kinds of things. But many years later, we've kind of learned that um, some of the best ways to resolve issues, again, is to forgive each other and, and move on from it. Absolutely. Thank you for answering that. And I have one more question of you before I open it up to the audience. I want to make sure they have a chance to uh, ping you and have you pour into them. And if there's uh, not if there's not more questions, then I'll go back to the ones that I have. But the final one is, how can Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Club support you and the efforts you have going on? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, as I mentioned the last time we spoke, um, I, we six months ago, we moved from where we had lived our entire lives, Portland, Oregon, to Texas. And um, it's been an interesting thing to try to move a ministry across the country and keep it going because we really don't know anybody here. So we have these great programs like a program called Standing Tall, which is a mentoring program for fatherless boys where we, we hook uh, young men and, and men up with uh, boys that don't have dads, and they kind of mentor them a couple hours a week. And we've seen some phenomenal changes in these boys' lives just in a very short period of time. We also have programs like um, our um, Foundations in Living um, Camp, which is a camp for single moms and their kids. We put on a three-day camp for a free three-day camp for uh, single moms and their kids. We bring them out and basically bring out a bunch of men to play with the kids all weekend because a lot of them don't see uh, positive male role models in their lives. And then we do some um, very powerful uh, workshops with the moms. Uh, the women volunteers also do some things to honor the moms, like they have a spa day where they bring in people to do pedicures and manicures and hair, cut their hair and, and stuff like that. And so, um, the the thing that I would be interested in is if people have some um, suggestions on how we can develop funding for these programs since we've moved across the country because it's um it's been very difficult right now to even try to get in front of anybody to to figure out how we're going to continue to do these programs that are really making a huge impact in people's lives. Thank you for sharing that. And I know there are people on this stage who are well-connected, not just in Texas, but in the world. And please uh, connect with Rick. Actually, you know, follow him, follow the social media sites that um, he is on. He doesn't have them connected to him right now because he uh, is new to Clubhouse, but I'm sure he will connect connect his Facebook page and all of that. In the meantime, you can go to betterdads.net and connect with him on there and uh, not only get his books, but find out uh, specifically how you could get a check to him or give him any type of um, referrals that you might have of places, organizations, churches, companies companies that he can speak at and continue his ministry. So we truly appreciate every one of you, specifically the founder of this club, Glenn Lundy, who is up on the left. And uh, he started this club with a similar vision of yours, Rick, and that is to really just touch people's hearts and 
provide them motivation, inspiration, and education during this um, uncertain season that we have. And he had no idea it would grow. So for those reasons, I know God is going to help you to continue to grow as well. I want to give Glenn the opportunity to speak if he's still there. I know he talked to you a little bit earlier, but he could be on a run. Glenn, are you still there? So he may he'll he may pop back in if if not we'll make sure that you guys uh, meet directly. In the meantime, if people have questions or comments, please flash your mics, and Dr. Janie and I can put you in the queue to ask Rick anything you want to ask or make a comment about what you've heard today. So go right ahead and flash, and we will call on you. And I'm sorry if the app doesn't work well. Okay, I, I'm seeing Miguel. Go ahead, Miguel. Hey, yeah, thanks, Dr. Rowe and Rick. Great to meet you. Um, you know, just a, a powerful session that you just had. I think it's so important, you know, as a man who's raising four boys now who didn't grow up with the dad himself, to have men like you out there creating programs and leading the way and empowering because – we just don't have it enough, you know, and, and the world is changing, but there's still this like stigma, you know, around men, you know, expressing themselves and being more, you know, in, emotionally in tune and um, with their children. I mean, I the first thing you said at the beginning was, you know, how a lot of fathers in today's world are trying to be more emotionally available and present with their kids. And that's definitely, you know, my goal and I, I, that's what I strive for every day. Um, but I just wanted to encourage you. Thank you so much for, for coming here and giving us your story and what you're doing is definitely needed. <laughs> Texas is a huge state. You're going to make a huge impact with your story and your programs. And, um, yeah, I'd love to connect. I don't, I didn't see an Instagram, but I did end up digging you up in uh, LinkedIn. So shout to your connection request there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to encourage you. Thanks for, all that you said today, I, I took a lot of wisdom from it. Um, again, as, as someone who grew up with a lot of men in my life that looking up to people I didn't want to be like, it's been amazing coming into these rooms and finding men who I can look up to and kind of, you know, just connect with and try to emulate something, you know, half of what they're doing. But thanks so much, Rick. It's great to meet you. Miguel and I'm done speaking. Yeah. Thanks, Miguel. That's awesome. And, um, I, I just admire you for um, raising four boys on your own or without having had a dad. I, I know how difficult that is. And and um, I just want to encourage you to just, just keep going, just keep going, keep learning, keep going. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, when I grew up, I never heard a dad say that he loved me or was proud of me. And so it was something that I did not want my kids to, to go through. And so, when my kids were first born, I, I really made a pact with myself that no matter how uncomfortable it was, and it was uncomfortable, I would always verbalize to them that I love you and I'm proud of you, and I'd give them hugs and kisses. And at first, I had to force myself to do that because it was I wasn't used to it. It's something I had observed growing up, and so, but it paid huge dividends. So I just I think just saying those words and showing that kind of affection covers a lot of mistakes that we make. Love, love covers a lot of mistakes. And so I think that's important to remember. Thank you so much, Rick. And your mic just um, went 
off just a little bit at the very end. So whatever you were doing before, we'd love that you continue doing that so we can hear you. Um, I did see Christina um, on mic for a little bit. I'm not sure if you have a question or a comment, but if you do, go ahead. And then right after that, the financial quarterback, who's Josh. Yeah. App is acting crazy. So if, if um, you weren't flashing, it's fine. But Christina, do you have a comment or a question? And uh, Dr. Jamie, thank you. Um, I didn't flash. I'm in the background listening, but um, great segment. And um, I would like to commend um, commend you on what you're doing. And uh, I'm also in Texas. So where are you in Texas? Well, I'm uh, in a little bitty town called Paradise up in the northwest section of Texas. Okay, I'm in San Antonio, so I did save your information. I have a nonprofit as well, um, and we do have a lot of single single parents uh, in, our, in my nonprofit that normally participates in my events every year. So um, I like the fact that you're that you have retreats. So I do have your I did follow you, and I have your information. So I'll probably be reaching out to you. That would be excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then we have the financial quarterback, Josh, and then Stephen after that. Go ahead, uh, Josh. Did you have a question or a comment? I'm not sure if you can't unmike, but if the, it's the app, you can go in or go out and come back in. In the meantime, uh, go ahead, Steve or Stephen. Hello, this is Stephen. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we hear you perfectly loud and clear on that nice mic. Amazing. Well, first I want to say thank you, Rick, uh, for this session. Uh, it has been life-changing as uh, many of the sessions, uh, but I'm coming in the perspective of a single father uh, raising two boys, so just you stressing uh, the importance of speaking to our sons. And also um, the other thing you said was for the women to be choicey about who they uh, are going to be in a relationship with or uh, also get married to. But I think that's also important for somebody like me uh, because I do have two sons and I have two sons by choice because I'm an adopt uh, adoptive parent. Uh, so what recommendations do you have for me as a new single parent of around 10 months when I decide that it's time to date? Uh, because that's something that definitely is fearful and scares me. Uh, because I was uh, married before uh, and divorced. Uh, so when I hear stories like yours, it really gives me motivation and it gives me hope that there is a chance for me to get married uh, and have a 30, 40, 50 year marriage. Because when you look at the statistics of divorce rates over 50%, for those of us who have been divorced, I believe the rate goes up over 60 or 70%. So what encouraging words can you give somebody like me that's raising two boys, one 12, one 15 year old, who would like to possibly get married one day. Uh, this is Steve McCall and I am done. Great, great question, Steve, thank you. Um, and I would tell single dads the same thing moms is, is you need to be choose, choose not, not settle. And um, I, you know, I think it's like, it probably won't come out the way I intended, but I think sometimes it's, uh, more difficult for men to not have a spouse once they've had one than it is sometimes for women. Um, 
our natural inclination. We don't do well with a whole lot of things. And so um, I, I, I have a lot of friends who have been worse than within a year they were back in a, a marriage relationship. And you're right, they maybe tend to work out. So choosing not settling, I think, is a big one. Um, I think a lot of times our kids are a good barometer of when it's a good time for us to start dating or start looking for another relationship um, once they start encouraging us to do that and wanting us to do that. Um, I think that might be a good indicator. I'm sure Dr. J has better better thoughts on this than I do as far as um, what that might look like. Yes, absolutely. Great question, Steve. You know, I think a, a couple things that come to mind, you know, first is that you have to be in a place that you are ready, right? Because the very fact that you mentioned about having being scared and, and being in a place of anxiety, it's probably not the place that you want to be open uh, to a relationship, right? Because it is a new adventure having um, two boys for 10 months and you're creating a new life. It's now a package deal. So when you do decide you want to be intentional about dating and you want to have those standards set and not to negotiate them, because not only does that person need to love you, but they need to love those boys. Right. And then building a life together, you know, the older we are, uh, it, there's more life uh, that someone is bringing to the relationship. So being clear, being intentional, work out any anxiety or any um, challenges that you do have from um, your divorce and previous relationships. I'm a big advocate of therapy, of course, right? So really being able to be in a place to look at all of those things. And then when you're in a place where you would like and want and desire a relationship versus need um, to be in a relationship, you know, the, the emotions and the things should come up as excitement and should be a positive experience. Sometimes we have these negative experiences around relational dynamics, and and that's probably not the place to start. So it could be in a place of happiness, being a place of looking forward to um, dating and exploring relationships and being a place of confidence and knowing that, you know, even on that journey, not everyone will be a good fit for your family. So great question, Steve. We appreciate you being here. Over to you, Dr. Rowe. I absolutely love this conversation. I see a collaboration coming on between Rick and Dr. Janie with your psychology expertise and his expertise of being an amazing father of 40 years. So you guys can revisit that in the future. Are there any other questions or comments? Uh, Monica, I see you flashing. Go ahead. Good afternoon, champions. I'm loving this discussion, Dr. Rowe. Dr. Janie, thank you so much. Um, so Rick and Dr. Janie and Dr. Rowe, here is a either or for you. We know that many marriages don't last. And my question is, is it healthier for children? And I know this is a broad brush question, but generally speaking, in your opinion, is it healthier for children to grow up in a dysfunctional marital environment where where poor relationship skills are modeled and therefore repeated in those children? Or is it healthier for children to grow up in a home where there is a divorce and they have to navigate, you know, living in two separate homes, but perhaps the relationship modeling is better? What is your opinion on that? Thank you. Well, great question, Monica. I'll go ahead and uh, answer uh, my thoughts first. Is There is a lot of research around this topic 
And, you know, the summary, what I will share with you is that when we look at children that can thrive, that come out of divorce situations versus children that are in, um, yes, their family is intact, but there's dysfunction, there's abuse, there's addiction, is that the child that grows up in a divorce situation where the parents may not be married, but there is a demonstration of co-parenting that is really looking at what's best for the child, where there's respect, there's maturity among the parents, have a better chance and have a higher percentage of thriving in adulthood and in life and having less of the woundedness and scars that will affect them relationally versus those that stay in, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier to, to Rick, that I applaud not only the 40 years, but um, the what I hear is the respect and the love that's in the relationship, because sometimes we can put years and numbers oh they're married 25 years they're married 30 years on a pedestal but inside that relationship there's been infidelity there's been abuse there's been unresolved issues that the children have been exposed to so what are they doing they're learning those relationship skills or what we see in a therapeutic standpoint is we're seeing a lot more younger adults that are choosing not to get married, to not be in situations because they look at their parents' relationship and say, yeah, my parents were together all these years, but they were miserable, and I opt not to do that. So we see the numbers of people getting married um, later and later, and a lot of that does come from the relational skills and the relational modeling that happened with the generation above them. So that would be my ad. Love to hear Rick's ad. That, that was great, by the way. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Let me, let me answer that just by my own personal uh, observations. Um, first of all, I'm a huge advocate of kids dating both mothers and fathers. So I'm, I'm not a huge advocate of promoting divorce. However, I grew up in an alcoholic home, alcoholic stepfather, alcoholic mother, very abusive, and they stayed together for the sake of the kids, in quotations. And to a, to a sibling, me and my brothers and sisters all wished that they had gotten divorced. Uh, we felt like we would have been better off had they done that instead of experiencing all the things Dr. Jamie talked about. And as you said, that were modeled for us that we took into our own relationships and probably modeled until we got enough counseling um, and education to be able to straighten out some of that, reprogram our brain patterns, if you will, so that we didn't emulate what was modeled for us. Does that make sense? Yes, and I'm so glad that you had this conversation because I see a lot of my friends, colleagues, and you know, look at my own life, and and I do wonder because you do hear that phrase, "We're staying together for the kids," but um, my question is, what is it doing to the kids if you're staying together, and and is it preferable to stay together when it could be more harmful? And so I appreciate your um, both your insights. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Monica. That was an amazing question you had. I, Josh, I see you flashing. We have about two minutes left. If you can make your comment or question one minute, it would be great. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no judgment on other people, but I've read numerous studies from people, um, and there's been numerous studies that I've read that have said if two parents stay together, even if they have a quote-unquote miserable marriage, it is better for the kids psychologically, you know, unless there's uh, areas of significant abuse. And just seeing my parents, and they weren't perfect, but seeing them married, married 60 years and their legacy of sticking through and 
being faithful, even in tough times, um, it's a beautiful uh, message to the kids. And I mean, I have read various studies that have kind of contradicted the idea of uh, what the, what was being shared. But um, from my own experience, um, teaching kids faithfulness and stick to even through hard times, then I found that there's a way where those marriages are blessed, you know, as they age and, you know, they come out the other side of the stresses of child rearing. I mean, who doesn't have scars from their parents, but I mean, I don't care if your parents are perfect, they, they have issues. So uh, that's just my two cents. Thank you so very much for adding that. And Rick, did you have one final comment? Um, we are about to end now. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that, yeah, I think, you know, as a culture, we don't like to suffer at all. And, and part of having a successful marriage is suffering together through times of difficulty because it brings us closer together in the long run. And, and uh, so, yeah, I think that's a good point. Absolutely. And Rick, it has been an honor that Dr. Jane and I had you here on Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Club. I know there are people who did not get a chance to ask you questions. I do see you flashing, but we try to stop and end on time because this is going to be on a podcast. So you can go back and listen to it. Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Club by downloading the episode and please rate it and let us know what you thought about this uh, episode today and any others that you hear. We definitely appreciate that. And for all of you um, that are here, if we can just simply unmike and give Rick a warm thank you from the Breakfast with Champions. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Rick. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your word of love. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Thank you so much, Rick. And we'll help you get your social media sites connected to your profile so people can find you. But in the meantime, go to betterdads.net or if you see Rick's picture with his beautiful, lovely bride, Suzanne, if you look up his name, because there's a bunch of Rick. Johnson's, he would be the only one with that similar picture on his other social media. So I'm sure you can find that as well. In the meantime, we thank you. We appreciate you. We look forward to all of you tuning in tomorrow at 5 a.m. to the Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Club. This is the only table where you're going to have 100 thought leaders, collaborators coming together to bring you motivation, inspiration, and education, not only on a podcast, but on the front stage of Clubhouse. With that being said, please do not miss any episode uh, by downloading the podcast, but also by being back with us at 5 a.m. With that, I'm going to end the room in five, four, three, two, one. Have a good evening. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.